0: Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age, so parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Welcome back to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. Friends, today we're in for a fun ride! With me today is the self-proclaimed Jay-Z of Youth Education, the Kanye West of Business and Tech Education for Youth, and the Little Dirk of Youth Instruction. Now Big Stu, Stew, Scott Stewart or Professor Stewart, depending on how you know him, he grew up loving school but frankly hated learning because learning just wasn't fun. He had few teachers that he could identify with or who took an interest in him, and with little motivation he struggled leading to mediocre results in the classroom. But fast forward to today, and Scott is changing things for the better through Genius Lab. Genius Lab is a young entrepreneur mentoring program, especially for Black and Latinx youth that's focused on careers in IT. At Genius Lab, the goal is to make learning fun, exciting, and useful, where every student feels valued and appreciated. So today we're gonna explore how Scott is changing the world of education through Genius Lab and frankly, some other pursuits. And I'm sure we're gonna riff on where education is headed as well. So my first question for you is what name shall I call you on the show today?
1: (laughs) Whichever name you feel most comfortable calling me today. I'm presenting my Professor Stu persona this morning as you can see but
0: yeah i think i think we got to go with that one you're definitely uh, rocking all the all the slender for this early in the morning you're super impressed i yeah. was <laughs> I'm so happy to Chana- find a clean t-shirt yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um so welcome professor Stewart. thanks for having me gary i can tell uh you're a guy who likes to have fun do i do it's super
1: important I think that was part of my problem in school, man. I, I valued fun a little bit more than I probably, you know, should have. But I have no regrets about it. So I do enjoy having fun. It's super important.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking about that, too. And, and you know, just where things kind of are with education right now. And obviously with the world going through this, shifting through the pandemic, though, at least in the U.S., it seems like starting to emerge a fair bit out of it. Kind of seems like fun's a bit in, in short supply, would you say, in the education space?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely I would. And I think that has to a lot to do with many of the educational leaders that I interact with that I talk to were the students who got, you know, top of the grades in school. Even if they weren't valedictorians or salutatorians or whatever the case may be in elementary school and high school specific is what I'm talking about. I'm not I'm not talking post secondary. So those people were super, super Focused, super organized, super goal-oriented, and you know, colored within the lines. And fun was secondary to them. Well, I'm quite the opposite. I'm, I'm I colored outside of the lines a little bit. Challenged traditional thinking about various topics and subjects, and found alternative routes to get to the end goal. And wasn't very popular when I was in school, and doesn't seem to be very popular today. And I'm looking to. Tribe with other educational leaders that find the value in the students who don't take the standard or the standardized, pun intended, route.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, the the, the standard approach in, in school works for some who, as you say, quite often stay in the lines. And if I look back on my own time in, in school, I guess I was probably one of those. But yeah, it's it's not a one size fits all. So what, what do you think making learning fun is... is... So important. Why do do we need to have more fun in in education? What's the opportunity there?
1: Well, let's just start with as adults. I think, you know, we're all trying to get to adulthood so we can do what we want to do when we want to do it without anybody telling us what to do or what we can't do, particularly in America, right? We have a lot of freedom here, right? And so I think as adults, we miss that. Like, we're all trying to adult so we can be independent and enjoy life. But we raise our kids in school to... You know, we don't talk about that part, right? And listen, I I have a 12-year-old son who's soon to be 13. So when it comes to middle school age boys, I understand. Not only was I one, but I'm living with one, right? Who pushes my buttons every day. And I have to remind him, as much as I want him to stay stay in line, I guess, if you will, or do things the way that I think I would do them or that they should be done, I have to... Hey, look, man. This is this time on this earth is short. Like, bro, we—man, this—and and and not only is it short, it can end at any moment. Nobody knows when our clocks will be punched. Nobody knows, man. So, we gotta enjoy this moment. We gotta we gotta enjoy it. Look as best as we can. I know we gotta handle our business. I'm all about that. But in that man, let's have let's let's try to enjoy it. Let's get to work, and then let's try to have as much fun as we possibly can.
0: Yeah, and I think too, you're finding. I mean, there's lots of studies even that talk about you know the element of play. And in my, my former background, what I, what I used to be doing was a lot of management consulting and working in companies and so on. And actually, one of the, one of the things that that was a big focus was actually trying to incorporate a lot more fun and play because it brings about creativity, more, more different ideas and, and thoughts. And yeah, and as you know, I mean, kids just by their nature right? I have all kinds of ideas and thoughts and, and possibilities. And so I think I think you're finding with Genius Lab that, that it's, it's bringing that out as well. I mean, I noticed that you, you're also a former school teacher yourself. So you've worked within the system and, and now, you're, now you've launched this thing called, called Genius Lab. It's crazy, man. Um,
1: when I graduated high school, man, I wanted out of that place so fast. I never thought in a million years, that I would ever re-enter the the school building, a school building. I always had envisions of being a, a professor one day, but I thought I would do that like after I retired. You know, so I'm 70 years old and I go back and I'm a professor and I never saw it coming, man. But after graduating with my bachelor's, which I did, right? And I eventually went on to get my master's. When I graduated and I got my bachelor's, I entered, I was working for American National Bank, which is now Chase Bank, right? Well, it was now Bank of America, actually. It was American National Bank at the time. And I could, for two reasons, man, I could not imagine doing this for, until retirement. It was no way possible. I was gonna sit in a cubicle and try to prove my worth of value to higher ups for promotions over time and wait for pay increases. That was one reason.
0: The second reason, there weren't- not a whole there, lot of there, coloring out of the lines in, in that kind of environment. No,
1: no. <laughs> Especially at a bank where everything is very detailed, oriented, and exact, right and exact. And I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm not the detail-oriented guy. I'm the visionary, right? I'm the gatherer of the people, right? And and the second reason was, of course, there were no blacks in upper management at a bank, there were very, very, very few. So I didn't think that I had a chance. And so.
0: Was that just curious? I know just reading about your, 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 your bio. I mean, one of the things that, that you struggled with as a, as a student was also there weren't you know a lot of teachers of, of color or, or you know, that you could identify with and, and resonate with. Was that part of your motivation to go into the school system and say, hey, I didn't have that, but I want that for, for kids growing up now?
1: I didn't even think about that until about a month ago. I was asked a question when I was being interviewed about my experience with black male teachers. And I counted all of the teachers that I could remember from first grade through 12th grade. I had uh, four black teachers in, from first grade through 12th grade, two in elementary school and two in high school. I think the underlying issue, what's under the glacier is a kind of frustration, a kind of anger a kind of disappointment, a kind of like a, a lack of buy-in, a lack of connections. Like I I was checking out early, and that it just had to do with a lot of the racial undertones that I was raised under. Like almost into some like my name is Scott. And I asked my mom. I hated my name in middle school, in high in elementary school, in middle school because it was considered a white boy's name, and I got teased for it. But my mom is very clear that. She named me Scott because she wanted me to have a fair chance on resumes and job interviews. She was very intentional about that, and it worked like a gem. It worked like a charm through high school. It, and it was phenomenal. I had some of the best jobs. Not only did the resume get me in, but I can I can be charming. I can be somewhat charming. I can be I can be pleasing. I have a pleasing personality, right? And I'm a pretty decent worker, right? I'm, a, I'm, I'm better than average worker on most days. So I had some great jobs, great jobs
0: in my life. So let's look a little bit at, at sort of that evolution then from, so you went, you went into into teaching and, and we're doing that for a while. And what, what created the spark for, for Genius Lab then? How did you go from the classroom to, to launching this program?
1: Yeah. After undergrad, I went to grad school for marketing. And part of my, one of my final projects was to come up with something that you could market. And I came up with an entrepreneurship program for youth. And when I graduated, I started marketing it to school principals as, you know, initially it was going to be a philanthropic give, right? I was going to do it as a nonprofit. Met a high school principal who was like, this is so phenomenal. Actually, the story is, went to 19 principals. They all said no, they can't afford it. And I was about to give up, got a friend. I was like, oh man, my mom's a principal. She might like it, give her a shot. She loved it and found an alternative teaching certificate program for me to become a teacher and teach what I presented to her. And that was in in 2000, 2001. And after 9-11, I was laid off. I had some, some other challenges in my life and i had gotten laid off actually i was it was diagnosed with guillain barre and i was paralyzed at the age of 30. you know so i found myself in education when i graduated grad school from roosevelt university the professors were so impressed with me that they offered me a teaching position at the graduate level very first teaching opportunity was at the graduate level i'm still shopping this program i've failed miserably Remember, I didn't think I was going to be teaching until I was 70. Here I am, you know, teaching at 30. And I'm teaching some of my peers. And I found myself in education when, after I left Roosevelt, the principal at this high school gave me a shot. And I've been off and running ever since then in education. But my background is business. I did not go to school to be a teacher. It's kind of my calling.
0: going to say, you know, it's almost like, in a lot of ways, you've been kind of been trying to run away from the system, but there's always something that keeps pulling you back, right? Like the, the the universe is saying, "No, there's something here for you. You've got work to do. And we, and you've you've re- remained in there, continuing to bring about, I think, some of the changes that that you've always wanted to see."
1: Yeah, and I, I have. I'm looking at a, a a litany, a long trophy case of awards and plaques that I've received. Luckily, things changed since I was in school. I I had a lot more black male teachers as professional colleagues than, you know, when I was in school. So it's still a shortage of black male teachers, but there are a lot of them out there. So and and I also think that there are just a number of black and Latinx students who are not feeling connected to the educational process or system because they're not really thinking about their path to adulthood, right? It's hard to do. Like, look, if I'm going to sit around a bunch of, I live in an Irish community, you know, it's I, I can't really connect with Irish youth if I don't know the Irish youth experience. It's just, you got to get ingrained. And if you're not ingrained, this is what i want to communicate to like school leaders. If you're not ingrained, bring people on board who can identify with the population that you serve. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: I'm curious, too, like for, for Black and Latinx youth today, you mentioned there's, there's a lot more teachers involved and so on. What would you say are sort of still some of the primary challenges that, that they face? Or, and perhaps, you know, are, is there some real positive changes that have happened that have created opportunities that weren't there before?
1: You know, when it comes to the Latinx community, I, I walk softly, right? Because I'm not Hispanic, right? I'm not Latino. But I think the challenge from my understanding is always feeling unwanted and disposable, like always feeling like you're gonna be snatched up out of here if you're undocumented. There's this fear, right? Of like, oh no, they're gonna come and get me, right? And, and take me back to a place that I don't wanna go. So there's a, a huge level of mistrust for that population, for the Latinx, popu- Latin, Latinx population. So a, lot, a lot, huge level of mistrust.
0: So, we're, we're, so where you are in Chicago, there's, there's a fair bit of undocumented Latinx migrants. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Latinx, that's a whole other layer just on top of all the culture challenges. Yeah, And even if
1: they've been here for 30 years, even if you were born here, I know that's a huge issue. You know, our government, unfortunately, still sees them as undocumented, right? You know, you can be here 30 years and you could have served in the war you and still be deported. And so that's a that's a huge challenge when it comes to the black population. I think it's just a continuation of systemic racism, and this is one of the things that I'm asking for too for our non-black, non-Latinx European counterparts, is to just at some point I, I have a T-shirt that I wear often that says "end racism." I think the challenge is is getting that population to admit. That racism exists, instead of acting like, oh no, 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 no. Let's be real honest, because we have to be if we want to heal wounds. I was raised to hate blacks. I was raised to we use the n word when nobody's around, you know. And that's going to until we can get there. That's there's going to be some tension, right? And I think that's where the healing starts.
0: For sure, yeah. That that, that great awareness. Interesting. So even with with all that's going on, you know. I mean, I'm up in Canada, so I'm not quite as down there. I mean, we've got, we've got our own issues lately in the news, tons of focus on all these these um, unmarked grave sites of indigenous kids who went to residential school, I mean, so we've got, we've got our own problems for sure. But with all, all this been happening down in, in the U S with things like the George, George Floyd incident and, and whatnot, do you feel like there's, there's a, it's, it's sparking a, a more rapid change or we're still got a long ways to go?
1: We have a long way to go. It was hot last summer. And it's cool off now. It's cooled off now. We had we saw corporate reaching out. We saw, you know, hey, what can I do? How can we help? How can we, you know, what can we do? How can we support? And at that time it was like uh at least my perspective of it, it was like, nah, son. Like, no, no, don't don't come with the band-aid now. What can we do? What no, no, admit that it exists, admit that, you know, for the first time in our lives, you saw something that you do realize was really wrong. It was like this guy, the police officer, Derek Chauvin, like this guy, he really was an a-hole. You know what I mean? Like, And if you don't, and if you don't think that he was, then that's okay too. You, he has a family. He has people that love him. He's a human. You know, we're not talking inhumane right? Um, uh, treatment of officer Derek Chauvin, but you just gotta admit that wrong is wrong, right? We had a long way to go. We're looking at the we're looking at the, the the iceberg, but above the surface, we haven't began to go below the surface yet. And I think some of us are trying. And when I say us, I mean some Americans, some humans, North American Western culture humans are trying. We're trying to dig deeper. So I'm hopeful about that. I'm very very hopeful.
0: I'd love to dive in a little bit more about Genius Lab and explore how that's changing, changing lives within the school system. So walk us through what, what exactly is Genius Lab?
1: Yeah, it's a safe space for young people to tap into their inner Einstein, right? I experienced school counselors telling students, I didn't experience it for me. It didn't happen to me, but I witnessed it happen to students in my classrooms. When I taught throughout Chicago Public Schools, I witnessed counselors redirect students to something that was less than their inherent greatness. I've witnessed a a teacher tell a student, you're no genius, right? And that was the tipping point for me. It was like, wait a minute, Mm mm-mm, you are a genius. We just got to bring it out because we all are inherently brilliant in some way. Who Absolutely. am I to, t- yeah, right? Who am I to say, you know, I would, I'm gonna, I have a piece of art over there. It, it looks like a mess, but some people will value it as beautiful. Who am I to say that your coloring out of the lines is worse than somebody who colored in the lines? Who am I to say that you can't be a rapper, a barber, a DJ, a dancer, right? And and not have a fulfilling life. Who am I to say that? And so that frustrated me to hear my professional counterparts dismiss the possibility of greatness in our young people. And I'm in a, I don't come from, I don't come from education. I don't come from that. I didn't go to school. For education. I come from marketing, business. Everything has potential until it doesn't anymore. And particularly human lives, like you have no right to say to a young person, you're not worthy. And that's what sparked Genius Lab. It was like, I started referring to my students as young geniuses. Come on in, genius. Hey, little genius. Hey, Miss Genius. Hey, Mr. Genius. And then I was like, one day, you know what? This is the place where people come to explore their genius. This is the lab for geniuses. This is the genius lab. And that's how it started.
0: Awesome. So that, yeah, that lit a a fire under you and and that's, that's awesome. So as you said, creating that, that safe space, right? Providing that, that messaging to kind of realize inherently there is a ton of value in, in who they are and discovering, you know, what lights them up. So how does the program itself spark that, that genius beyond?
1: Yeah, we, I have developed the steward methodology of teaching and it's my own, I mean, it's really, not, let me just say, it's nothing really unique, right? It's just how I package it and how I present it. So the stored methodology of teaching includes IDAR method, I-D-A-R. And so how it happens, I introduce a topic, something new, maybe not new. We discuss it, then we apply it, practice it, do some create some actionable items, and let's come back and review and measure IDAR. So let's introduce this. I'm gonna introduce this concept of Uh, social injustice, social inequities. I'm going to introduce this concept of entrepreneurship or investing in stocks or starting a podcast. Let's discuss what it is. For Genius Lab, we're only focused on business and tech. We don't do so. So the social justice was not. Starting a business, we focus on getting familiar with money management and how, how money really works, how to grow it, and then building technologies. That's our area. The podcasting piece comes in because it's a combination of business and tech, and it also is your platform to market and promote whatever it is that you're doing. And so whatever, if we're talking options, we're talking shorts, if it comes to stocks, let's introduce it, let's discuss it, you go try it, let's come back and review what happened. You start in a business. Let's introduce this topic of target marketing. Let's discuss what that is. Go out and do some activity. Bring it back. Let's review the results and measure. And so whatever, we only focus in business and tech, business and tech, business and tech. And so that's how we engage our young people in wanting to learn more intrinsically and organically, not pushing, you have to learn this, you have to learn. It's more of what do you want to learn about business and tech and you can learn as much as you're willing to learn as long as you find interest in it and i help students understand the varying layers that they can participate to create the lifestyle of their choosing because remember that's ultimately what we're trying to accomplish i'm not i don't care about your standardized test score that's cool that's cool. That's great that you went to a great school. That's cool. That's cool. But ultimately, are you happy? All right, and, you know, we're trying to have happy adults, live happy lives so we can all have fun and get along and stay out the way and make the world a better place. Have a good time. That's what we're really shooting for here. And for, for some parents, you know, it's going to, you know, Harvard. It's going to Oxford. For some parents, it's you don't have to go to school and still can have a great life. Ultimately, it's not about going to college. I'm focused on where Disney left off. Disney told us the story and they lived happily ever after, but they never told us how they accomplished the happily ever after. We just see them going into the sunset. That's all we see. But we don't talk about the arguments that happened when they got back from the honeymoon. We're not talking about how the how the bills got paid and how they stayed together for 30 years and, you know, we don't we don't discuss that part of the story. So I'm trying to through business and tech, right? Cause that's the areas that I love. I wanna usher in more youth in that area so they can live the life of their choosing.
0: I understand this is a, a program that you do inside of schools themselves. Is it, or is it also available for, for people to do like virtually for instance, or?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Initially when we first started, we were doing one-off programs, Saturday programs. It's very, very limiting. So we switched our model we target primarily schools and school districts we want classrooms of students but if parents want to sign up for you know an asynchronous time with me then i utilize the platform outschool and you can go to geniuslabchicago.com there's a tab that says for parents and it'll take you to my outschool profile where you can find the classes that i'm offering when i'm offering and enroll your child in one of our classes the beauty of outschool is i limit the number of students who can come into a class so the maximum number of students is 15 but i'm actually about to change and i'm going to reduce the maximum number of students in my classes to eight i don't want any classes larger than eight students at a time which is why parents will pay a premium for that because and i've taught at not only have i taught middle school and high school i've also taught at chicago state university DePaul University, Lewis University. I taught a summer youth program at Harvard University, even at the University of Guanajuato in Guanajuato, Mexico. So I'm bringing the best education in the most informative, engaging way possible. I don't believe there's another teacher out there that comes close to engaging youth in business and tech in the manner that I do.
0: All right, let's let's claim it. Awesome. Well, yeah, that definitely uh, encourage parents to um to go to go check that out. And I'm curious, you know, as as things are evolving and, and changing right now with the pandemic, and why not? What do you what do you see, you know, moving forward from here in terms of what you're doing, and also, you know, just curious about your thoughts on where education is headed, or perhaps needs to head.
1: That's a great question. It's definitely the future of education remains to be virtual. It remains to be customizable. It remains to be student focused. And I know educators have said that for years, but what I'm encouraging parents to do is is particularly in the formative years um, and actually really post formative years. So between the ages of 11, 10 and 17, all I can ask parents to do is just tap into what your student, your, your child's interests are and let them explore that. So even if it goes against what you want for your child. Some parents are like, nope, I want my child to be a dentist. My child's going to be a dentist and a dentist is it. And honestly, if they ever just stop and listen to their child, their child might say, you know what? I don't want to be a dentist. I really want to be a DJ. You know, I really want to be a beautician. And they know that it'll break mom's heart to say their, their truth. So they grow up with this, resentment. And ultimately some, not all, not all, this is not all kids, but some grow up with that resentment and wind up living unhappy lives. I think we'll still be virtual and it'll be customizable. So for example, if a kid wants to learn to be a pilot today, why aren't we saying, okay, here's what you need to know to be a pilot today. Why aren't we doing that in seventh grade, eighth grade? and let them explore being a pilot until they're no longer interested in being a pilot. Isn't that what we do as adults? We pursue something until we're no longer interested, and then we find something else that we're interested in. The hope is that we can all pay our bills, stay out of debt, right? Keep our homes, keep our luxuries, and guess what, have a great time. That's the hope.
0: Well, and I think you know things are a lot different today than even when you, know, you and I were kids. There's so much opportunity now, right, my my vantage point with my kids and even for myself, and it's taken me a while to even arrive there. You don't have to choose things that you don't enjoy anymore. There's there's no reason for that, right? Possibilities are limitless. I mean, even even the stuff that are you know that's going to be available when kids become adults, we don't even know half of what it's going to be right now. So, hundred percent, focus on what you enjoy and, and love. My my son, my my three kids are all in different educational paths. I'm just happy for them to, to kind of find the, the path that, that works for them, you know? Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, you know, from this podcast, I've seen that there's so many different paths that, that can work out just fine. And, and as parents, I think we just need to chill out a whole lot more, right. And, and relax, whether it's the type of school thing they're doing or the, the, the different direction they want to go in or what they're interested in, in learning. Yeah. We need to let go of, of maybe our unfulfilled dreams that we're trying to push down into our, our kids or fears and and anxieties and let them fly.
1: And that's exactly part of the problem. We as adults are projecting to our kids. And we think that we're, you know, you hear adults say all the time, well, what I want for my kid, I just want my kid. I just want my kid. I just want, I just, I, 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 what does your kid want? And it's super hard. It's super hard. I have five kids. I know how hard it is. I have a 17 year old daughter and I don't mind telling Mm -hmm. this story. My 17-year-old daughter has dropped out of high school. And mind you, this child has received A's and B's her entire educational career. Initially, it was shocking. It was embarrassing. It was hurtful to her mom, not to me. To me, I'm like, oh, I created a monster, right? Like, oh boy, oh boy. But I had to let mom say, hey, mom, let her go. Like, let her explore. Well, what's the worst that can happen? She could end up dead. Let's just, I'm sorry to go so dark, but she could end up dead, right? But we're all gonna end up that way. So that's not the worst that happens. That's not the worst. What the worst that happens is your feelings get hurt. You get, you know, you, you're you embarrassed. Your pride, your pride, it's, it's about you. If you put the kid first, and if you plant the right seeds, you give them the right foundation, you give them the right education, you steer them in the right direction, I believe I truly believe they'll be fine it may not be the way you want it to go they will be fine they may not be the way you want it. it may not it may not be the way you want it but ask them hey are you happy are you satisfied if you're not do you want my help to get there if they say no I don't want your help that's it's that's, that's that's okay that's okay. People have the right to say no to you.
0: You know what? I'll, I'll throw this as a, an offer up to you. I mean, I'm not sure where your, your wife's at yet in dealing with the, this transition, but there's a great interview I did with um, a friend of mine on the podcast. Um, Jen, and her name is Jen, and, um, Jen Miller. And, yeah, her, her four kids all did very different things. Um, actually, none of them went to a, a traditional school. But like one's in pilot school, one's in chef school, one's... Um, sailing ships right now uh one went to went to university and engineering you know it's it was really inspiring story of just how things don't have to be the traditional path and can work out tremendously well so courage courage your your wife to to, yeah have a listen to that one so um well this is a great um great wrap up to the to the conversation uh professor scott professor stewart yeah Uh, (laughs) however
1: however you however you want to know me man
0: um yeah, I just I think it was great to to, to wrap up and, and you know challenge parents to um, to create space for their kids to to live out their dreams. So um, where where could people um, find out more about you know genius lab or um, what you're doing on an out school or just you know just to touch base with you and, and um, connect with you.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. Um, you know, of course you can go to GeniusLabChicago.com. GeniusLabChicago.com. No funny spellings. Um, and also, you can connect with me at Scott Steward. That's Steward with a D. S T E W A R D.com. ScottSteward.com. And also, just put my name in Google and uh, I'll pop up. I'll pop up. You'll see me. So I'm easy to find. I'm not hiding. Open in plain sight.
0: And we'll, we'll, put those links in the show notes as well to make that easy to find. Um, so Scott, it's been, it's been a real pleasure today. Um, I can tell like you've got a real heart um, for, for kids and, and clearly an enterprising innovative mind. You're doing some great work in the world that the world needs and um, yeah, just, just an honor to have you today. Uh,
1: Gary, it's been an honor to be here. Thank you for having me and sharing your platform with me and giving me voice. I appreciate it, and I look forward to coming back one day, and I'll stay stay in tune to everything that you'll be doing going forward. Thank you very much.